Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another special edition of the Freedom Caucus podcast. I'm your host, Jody Heiss, and we're glad to have you on the bus with us today. Let me tell you what we're going to do. We we actually have a special two-part series that we're bringing to you, and we're going to have some interviews that will not be coming to you from our nation's capital. Rather, we are going to be live on the ground in Douglas, Arizona, where I recently made a trip to the southern border along with about nine other members of Congress. The official name for this kind of trip is a congressional delegation trip. For short, we call it a CODEL. I've referenced that terminology before, but during this recent CODEL, we inspected the facilities. Uh, We got a fresh understanding of the border crisis. We visited more sectors on the southern border. I've now been a, a couple of times, I believe, a total of either five or six of the nine total sectors that we have. While we were there, we toured, for example, the port of entries. Uh, We uh, toured and met with Border Patrol agents. We went to their stations in El Paso. And by the way, keep in mind, this one in El Paso is the same facility that AOC visited when she falsely claimed that migrants were being forced to drink out of toilets, uh, which again, totally untrue. But while we were in El Paso, we visited ICE facilities. Uh, We went on a night patrol with Customs and Border Patrol agents, where in fact our group literally got to witness an apprehension firsthand, uh, right on top of it. Saw the the type of things that our border agents were experiencing on a daily and nightly basis. And so I hope you'll hang on because the uh, interview today is with the the guest who put this codel together is going to dive much in much deeper into that situation and many more. But on the trip, we went west. We went to see the physical barriers and borders, uh, many that are already in place and others that are being built in New Mexico. We toured the Antelope Wells Port of Entry. We also met with ranchers. We met with landowners who graciously opened up their doors. Uh, They talked with us openly and frankly about the battle and the impact that this immigration surge is having on their individual lives. Uh, On the third day, we got briefed by law enforcement officers regarding illegal drugs that are flowing into the area in both Cochise County and Pinal County in Arizona. Uh, During our time, in Pinal County, we got to patrol areas that have become literal hot spots, hotbeds, if you will, for illegal immigration and drug smuggling as well as human smuggling. Uh, so the congressman who I referenced earlier, who put all of this CODEL together, is this episode's guest. He is a dear friend of mine, Representative Andy Biggs from Arizona. He ser- serves the fifth district of that great state. And now we want to just jump right into the conversation. And I'm honored to have joining me now on the program, Andy Biggs. Of course, Andy has been with us uh, previously on a podcast, and so we've gone through a lot of uh, other issues with Andy before. But really, we're coming back to circling back, Andy, to uh, much of the same things we talked about before, what's happening in our southern border 
Uh, you are on top of this as much as anybody in Congress. Uh, and just to kind of set this up, as I've already mentioned, we have just we are in process of a CODEL that you have put together, started in El Paso, we've gone through New Mexico, and now in Arizona. First of all, thank you for putting this uh, incredible CODEL together. Uh, but first, from your perspective, a little bit of what is driving this, what made you do this CODEL, and then we'll get into some specifics. Well, thanks, Jody, and it's good to be with you again. And this is the third CODEL that I've brought down here to the border. And what I find when you come to the border is it puts a face to it. You know, uh, we, you have to be given narrative. You have to give a story. And this really actually puts some meat on the bones on the immigration story and the, the, the crisis on the border. And that's what I'm hoping to do. And I think uh, we've, we've done pretty well. We've had 10, 10 members of Congress with us this time. Which is a large group. Yeah, that's a large group. For, for this type of CODEL. And CODEL, by the way, means a congressional delegation. We call it a CODEL, but it is a, an official uh, capacity where members of Congress go uh, to different places uh, to try to get more information on, on various issues. Exactly right. And and that's why we, we wanted I wanted people to come to the border. That's why I, I bring them down to the border every chance I get. Because when people come down and see the border, whether it's ports of entry, detention facilities, the vast areas, and, and, and I think you would attest. Uh, enormous. Yeah. Between these ports of entries and, and where there's no fence, or we saw fences today, Jody, um, uh, where you could, you could ride a motorcycle. Easily. Yeah. You could probably ride a four-wheeler through. Yeah. It's just unbelievable. And, uh, and, and they, I, who came up with that? Who spent the money on it? Who designed it? And it will have no impact or effect on on stopping the surge that we've we've been seeing on the border. So we we started off in El Paso. We've we've met with Border Patrol. We've been to the uh, detention centers. We've met with ICE. We've done the same thing there, going across the board. As we all know, particularly in El Paso recently, there's a lot of negative press for everything from concentration camps to uh, drinking out of toilets and all this kind of stuff. And of course we. None of that is accurate whatsoever, but uh, I think that is important for members of Congress to come and see firsthand the phenomenal treatment that these individuals are receiving uh, with a bare-bones group of individuals here, Border Patrol agents. Uh, when they come here, though, the, the service provided and what the taxpayers of America provide for these people is pretty amazing. Yeah, absolutely right. I mean, the, during the surge, you had uh, maybe in, sometimes you'd have a thousand or twelve hundred people in, a, in facilities designed for one hundred and fifty or two hundred and fifty. Yeah, now y'all listen to that. Uh, uh, you, you're talking about facilities designed for a couple of hundred and having six times the the numbers of people there. Exactly, and and, and they were designed to be temporary holding. Facilities, so they come in, they get their paperwork process, which includes things like medical uh, uh, screening, uh, and and they're supposed to be out and transferred from like the CBP or which uh, which is the Border Patrol detention facility or holding facility. It's a working operation uh, station, actually. They're supposed to be t transferred over to an ICE detention facility, and then ICE processes them and 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 uh, and, and places them where they need to be placed. But the, the, the facility that 
received all the uh, grief from people who who have a political agenda to mislead um, was o- simply overcrowded. The facilities that they use uh, it includes fresh potable water, as you know, you drank oh, from yeah, it. Drank from it. Yeah, and uh, and also, and I have checked at other facilities as well. CBP makes sure that there are are um, cool uh, water coolers filled with ice and water outside every every room that that they, people can get to. And guess what? The doors are not locked. The doors are not locked. I think that is an extremely important point. These people are in the detention centers where they sleep or whatever. But at any time, the door is unlocked. They are free to to go out into the main lobby area or whatever the, the, the room is called. And there are snacks available. There are diapers available. There's water available. Uh, and just walk around, stretch the legs. And then they can go back in where, where, where their room is and uh, sleep. But these rooms are not locked. It's not like these are individuals who are locked up. Yeah. And especially when you start talking about children and family units, they're placed in the least restrictive uh, uh, facility. So that, that's why the doors are unlocked. And, the, and if they come in and they, and, and I know people are, are going to be surprised to hear this, but if they come in and they've got ripped or torn clothing or dirty clothing, they are given new clothes, new clothes, and they have shower facilities, and everyone is given an opportunity with every seventy-two hours to take a shower. If they choose choose or elect not to take a shower, they don't take a shower. But they also have com- a computer program uh, that's in place now, so they can track everybody. And so that person, uh, the, 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 there's a module for sanitation. So showers, offered a shower didn't refused it or accepted it. it. To say that under the most stressful conditions that these men and women were not taking care of these people is just simply um, not true. It's just fallacious in, yes. in every way. Yeah. Okay, so let's go from that to the actual border itself. Obviously, when there is a surge, uh, or even now there's not a surge as much as, as we've seen in recent months, but still, the numbers are insane, the, the numbers of individuals coming. And for all those people who are coming, it takes border agents off the border, and they have to be involved in trying to process these individuals and all that kind of stuff. But that being said, let's go to the borders. Uh, we went out uh, one evening right before we arrived. They, arrested, they apprehended 50 to 80, something like that. While we were there, we, we all witnessed four individuals being apprehended, it's still unbelievable the numbers of people coming across the border. Yeah, exactly right. So we saw, and and what's interesting is last night we we weren't out there very long. We just went out for a quick that's right s- quick spot to just go back to some of what we had been to earlier in the day. And there's four people. There's a family unit from uh, Brazil. I mean, think about that. They've they've come from Brazil. They flew up to Panama and then and made their way up from there. And you also had a, a young lady from Cuba, and she flew over to Nicaragua, and from Nicaragua uh, made her way up to the U.S. So I mean that's just the way that's going. But uh, uh, in El Paso, the numbers three to five hundred uh, a month. Uh, excuse me, a day, a day. still. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're talking uh, other sectors, similar numbers. Uh, we a facility that we went to um, is. They had, what I think, Jody, what was it, 225 last night? 
Yes, in Antelope Wells. Yes, 225 individuals at that facility. Um, and, and you cannot be more remote than this uh, place. I, I, yes. I don't believe anywhere I, have I ever been. The, the miles and miles and miles, hundreds of miles of nothing. <laughs> and, and here's this here's this place. And 200 and something people last night. Yeah, exactly. And and uh, they get that uh, two or three times a week still. And so still, we're still apprehending three, three to 5,000 people a day uh, all across this vast border that we have. And, I, you know, I, I just got to come back to Antelope Wells because, Jody, you are so right. As we were driving out there, and, 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 and we were driving a long time in vast open stretches of desert, and, I'm, and I thought, we, have we taken a wrong turn? Oh, yeah. Where, where is this? You know, where is this? And finally, you get up there, and there's a, port, a small port of entry um, that's, that's only, what, five, six years old or whatever it is. And, and you look at it, and you say, first of all, I don't even know why we have a port of entry out here. And then when we went in and talked, and he said, oh, yeah, we just sent the last of the 225. Because to transport 225 people to the Lordsburg Station... Uh, they're just running round trips. It's of, like a three-hour one-way drive, exactly, or something like yeah, that. Yeah, it, it's it, uh, it's it's it, whatever it is. It's a long time. Number one, number two. Just imagine how many vehicles it takes to transport to two hundred people. Yeah, and that's and they're they're doing that several times a week, which means that that you're not placing your agents who are trained to be on the line, on the line. Exactly. And then today we were with some landowners. Uh, and they uh, were sharing story after story. Last week, 20 individuals from China. You're talking Brazil and Cuba. And, and now here's 20 from China coming across these, uh, this ranch where we were today. Uh, the, the, the borders are so porous. And it's, like you said, not just the ports of entry, but in particular between the ports of entry. And the, the fencing, the border, the barriers that are there, are virtually non-existent as it comes to resisting individuals from crossing. Right. So, so two co- quick comments on that: um, the Normandy barriers, which were designed solely to to stop uh, vehicles, that's what we that that's enlarged uh, a lot of places along the border. It doesn't do anything for individuals because you just climb over or under. It's it's real easy. But the second thing too is as we're building fences, fences work, but a lot of times people go around those fences. So you're creating funnel zones. And so if we l- limit our fencing, let's say, to Douglas or Tucson or Yuma or San Diego, guess what you do? You're forcing these, these illegal uh, immigrants to come around the, that fencing, and they're going to come in th- to the rural areas, which is where we were today. Right. And so y- we have got to make sure that this fencing goes across uh, uh, even into the rural areas to protect those people as well. So, so how significant, and our time is running out, how significant is the money that the Supreme Court has just said, President Trump, this money going to the Department of Defense can be used to build walls? It, it's, it's significant because it'll build about 100 miles of fencing. That's really expensive. But, I mean, it's 100 miles of fencing, uh, of which uh, a significant portion of that's going to be in, in my home state of Arizona. So... I'm really pleased by that, um, and I think it was the right decision all along. Well, Andy, I again just want to say thank you for your tremendous leadership in putting this coattail together. And in D.C., your leadership on this issue 
with the border. It is a, an enormous problem that has to be addressed and corrected. And I'm confident at the end of the day we're going to get there, uh, but it's an uphill battle, it seems. But thank you so much for all you do to make it happen. Thank you, Jody. Thanks for being here with us on this, Codell, and thanks for your leadership, and thanks for uh, uh, inviting me to come on this podcast. Always glad to do it. Thank you so much for joining this special edition of the Freedom Caucus podcast, and I sincerely hope that you'll stay tuned for the next episode when we will again take you back to Douglas, Arizona, and you'll hear real gut-wrenching stories from those who are directly impacted by our flawed immigration system, so you don't want to miss that. In the meantime, if you have a moment, please take time to rate this program, to subscribe to it, and to review this podcast on iTunes. And as always, be sure to remember to follow us at facebook.com slash Freedom Caucus and through our Twitter handle at Freedom Caucus. Until next time, I'm Jody Heiss. Hope you have a fantastic remainder of your day. We'll see you next time.